0: What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. John, we are back after one week away. Did you miss me?
1: Yeah, sure did.
0: You missed the show? I missed the show, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, no, I think... I miss you too, man. It's been a long time. I know it has. I, th- I think most people know uh, I, w- I was out of town. I was on a little bit of a trip um, serving some uh, people less fortunate than us, and, and uh, that's why I was gone. And yeah, it's. I think it's. uh, It was. It was a little rough being gone because I was kind of out of the loop. Though, I did uh, use my cell phone probably a little bit too much, uh, a little bit more than they wanted me to. But hey, got to got to stay in the loop at least somehow. Uh, But tons of stuff happened when uh, when I was gone, and I think the biggest thing, and talk about shocking to me, was Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff being named whatever they were named, of the Raw and SmackDown shows and uh, kind of leading the charge to get Vince McMahon's WWE back into, uh, back into good graces with fans, really. They, they've been struggling, and, uh, and, and, and so they're bringing back guys from the late 90s. What would you think about that move?
1: Yeah, the, uh, the, the kind of, sort of, head in charge of uh, Raw and SmackDown. Brands. Uh, I was a little more shocked about the Eric Bischoff aspect of the not Paul Heyman per se. Like Bischoff was that that's what made it so shocking, in my opinion. Like, way out of, I guess not left field, but you know, Bischoff hasn't done much of anything, you know, other than his podcast. And you know, it's not really up to date with the current product. And you know, if that goes with what he knows and what he, you know, you, he remembers Eric being competition to him, and and but I don't think he remembers a lot of stuff that <laughs> happened, like especially stuff with TNA when Eric was in charge of TNA. It didn't go anywhere at all, so I don't know. It'll be interesting, but also you know, it's it's also Eric will surround himself with a team, and who he's on that team there'll be a big a big difference. But it's interesting because they have all these ex TNA guys now, like as agents and whatnot. It's like will it be that would that be that group, you know what I mean? Running SmackDown. It's just just bizarre to me. But um I mean I, mean, I saw a little bit of Raw from uh Monday and when it came to the stuff, it looked like he's doing some really cool stuff, or at least some it was a you know, pretty good show overall. I mean I watched here and there and what I watched I liked, so so I don't know, but Bishop stuff that's gonna be the interesting one.
0: What do you think about the idea that the Bischoff signing was more to pacify stockholders and to make a uh, sort of a public statement to people who don't really know how the wrestling business works and they see, oh, this is the guy who beat Vince, he must be really smart. And not really understanding that he's also the guy who killed uh, the, the uh, one of the most successful uh, wrestling companies of all time in, in in very quick fashion. Because, like you said, I mean, you, you, you said it already. He doesn't follow wrestling. He's not keeping up with the product. Uh, he is 64 years old. He's younger than Vince. But Vince has been in it, you know, for the last 40 years, day in and day out. And Eric didn't really grow up in it. Was fairly successful in it, and then really not successful in it, and has had dabbles here and there, but mostly as uh, as as an actual character than behind the scenes or even writing. Like, has Eric? I don't even know if is Eric ever even written television before. Like, his
1: no, I I don't think he's ever been a like the per se. He was in charge, but he had like really smart guys below him, like you know Kevin Sullivan and Terry Taylor was like. A really good booking team you know during those early days of nitro and and you know they had a they had a really tough job of you know dealing with all the egos and limited dates that these you know stars had that you know like guys like hogan nash and hall etc had you know, they had to work around that and people who have creative control and work around that but you know i thought you know especially if you watch that early like nitro stuff i think uh you know, Sullivan did a great job, and Terry Taylor did a great, great job with that kind of stuff. But yeah, so but Bischoff was, you know, he's he's really good at the the politics game. He's good at the corporate stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe you know Vince sees him as this guy that he can smooth over the smooth over the executives at the Fox. Mm-hmm. You know, if things are going bad or or what? You know, he has that ability to kind of you know speak that corporate. Um That the corporate people like to speak and understand each other and and so so maybe that's part of it too, you know, beyond the creative side.
0: And so I think the way that I envision this and uh, I, I really want to hear your thoughts on this too, is that um, there's one person who is seemingly not involved who should be involved in my opinion. And his name is uh, Triple H. And I was surprised that he wasn't one of the two guys, and I would have preferred him in front of Bischoff, knowing what he's what he's been doing day in and day out, you know, for the last five years. And then when I stepped back and I thought about it, my thought went to the fact that maybe Vince doesn't want him to fail at this because, if Triple H is in charge of this thing and it doesn't work, that's a strike against him, especially when it comes to whoever Vince's successor is going to be, which we think is going to be Triple H. What do you think about that whole thing?
1: I think you're onto something there. I also think Triple H is, you know, one of the smartest guys in the wrestling business. doesn't want to put himself in this position. He wants to continue to concentrate on building his brand, NXT brand, and then you know, whatever Vince stepped down or p- passes away, we do know Stephanie was gonna become a major player, of course. And, you know, Triple H will have his moment then, right? Yeah. And so I think that's what he's waiting on. His he's he's not in a rush. You know, he's doing his own thing with NXT. Very happy with that. And it's, you know, very successful. And so, you know, he's you know, he's smart enough to wait his time and when it when it happens and be a good thing too, because I think Triple H is going to do some. I, I mean, I mean, if it's if NXT is anything that shows us what he's going to capable of doing with with wrestling, uh, I am looking forward to when he finally takes over to creative.
0: And so, I, I mean, I think you may you what you said also could be it is that you know maybe he didn't really sort of raise his hand or or, or be in charge or, or or want to be in charge, but at the same time, I do wonder that if this thing. Become successful. I wonder if he does sort of then get involved because then it's working and and he can and he can be a participant there. That 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 could be something as well. And and it's not that I have necessarily any you know inside information. It was just that as I was thinking about it, I thought, wow, you know, he really cannot fail in this situation because of the fact that he is going to probably succeed, Vince. And so maybe it is better to keep him out of it. But um, the uh, I. I
1: Go ahead. And who knows? We don't have like the complete details. Like, you know, you also Triple H could be the guy that Bischoff and Heyman report to who reports events, right? So he could have that kind of role that we don't know about, you know, sure, too. Sure, as well. totally. So I mean, I'm sure he's gonna be involved. Obviously he is. He's you know one of the higher people in management, but uh I think Triple H like right now, like his focus is NXT, continue to build that brand because when it's time you know, I know I have a gut feeling that I think one day it won't be Raw and SmackDown NXT; it'll be either Raw and NXT. That's what I think is going to happen mm-hmm. in the future. And the, uh, the Rock, the Rock, will be very sad if that happens, though. <laughs> but you know, that's why I think that's why I think is going to happen in the future. And and you know, he's preparing NXT to take that, become that second brand. What do
0: you think as a booker? Because you you I, you haven't necessarily been in in this situation, I don't believe. But if you're you know you're Triple H and you are you do have storylines all figured out, you know for who who knows how long, and then Heyman goes, hey, I really like these guys, the Street Profits. <laughs> I want to bring them up, and you know so then you know you have to i don't don't know if he's gonna have to change plans it seems like they are still going to be nxt talent but also be on raw i I don't know exactly how that works but from like your perspective if you were in triple h's shoes like how would you deal with that situation
1: well if you're in triple h's shoes right now um you kind of got to roll the punches you know you got to just make adjustments you know because they're going to call up talent it's just like it's just like a triple a uh baseball manager who's right you know in the playoff hunt right now, and all of a sudden, hey, we need to, we need just our outfielder because we're our star outfielder is out, and now we need to replace him, and he's ready. We need some help, need some hits, and what do you do? Right, right. They have to go to the home. Let's go home to major league promotion. And NXT right now is the third brand, and it is the feeder system too the main roster so i mean he just sort of rolled the punches remember jim Cornette went through this a oh lot yeah oh yeah and we OVW. heard of, we, we heard about it too like he was very frustrated yeah i mean he would build up you know you know and and all this kind of stuff and then they would be taken from him but that's part that's the nature of the business right i mean nature of the that's you know just like it's just like the analogy of baseball it's just you know there's a spot open or they need someone They need some add some life, some juice. you know, Giants seem to bring up a hot young catcher named Buster Posey and make a run for the championship, you know, so uh, that's that's what happens. and i I just you know it's funny when I was talking about this past Monday Night Raw with Heyman. The one thing I didn't like was how he introduced the street profits. Mm-hmm. The cold interview that it wasn't with the live crowd, so they kind of either, if you didn't know who they were, either, and it, if you know, I don't know if they, I don't know if it was the best way to introduce them. I know Heyman had a second interview, and he was in there too as well to give some kind of rub. But I I would have done it a different way. Maybe you know the old I like the old traditional way of you know vignettes for weeks and then debuting these guys. But mm-hmm. but uh, so I don't know. If, I don't know if that was a. I think I think Heyman just wanted some some wow factor and some new like. Wow! Look who's coming in, and I don't know how how well it got over, but we'll see. I mean, I like those guys a lot, though. I, I like that I like that team. I think they're very entertaining, very charismatic. Um, um, definitely, definitely made for the main roster for sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: So the re- I mean, at least you know, as far as competition is concerned, you and I have always said you know the best thing for WWE will be. For competition aew is their competitor right now they ran their second show under the aew banner called fighter fest which is a which was a little bit of a gimmicky show because it's tied to this uh convention which is based around video games and kenny omega we know is a huge gamer so this is kind of his deal his show and so they did it live on uh, Bleacher Report live, which I th- still have issues with <laughs> as an app, but we won't <laughs> talk about that here. Uh, and uh, and it was a free show, so anybody who you know who wanted to could could basically um, test the show and see if even if you didn't like AEW, you had an opportunity to watch the show and and see see what you thought for a free show. And and I would sort of. You know, I th- I know people are kind of saying, well, it wasn't as good as as uh, Double or Nothing. Well, duh, for one. Yeah. Um, but secondly, I, I sort of looked at it. The, the way that I set my expectations for it is A Clash of the Champions, right? Like that was WCW's free show on cable. Though you and I have had this conversation before, which is, do you do the show for free? Because if you put that kind of show on TNT, I would say, hell yeah, you get so much exposure You put that thing out there for free, you know, a million people watch it, you get great exposure for the product, but here, you're basically asking people to stream the show for free, and I can't imagine they got that many more people to watch the show than watched and paid for for Double or Nothing, so I don't know how many more people watch this. I I guess we'll we'll probably find out in the Observer when when it drops, but... I had an issue. I mean, I didn't have an issue, but I, I questioned the idea that you know you put this thing on, on streaming only because I just thought you know if you're going to put something out there for free, you want it to be seen by as many people as possible, and with the streaming option with BR Live, there is still the uh, you know there's still a little bit of uh, of a difficulty thing with 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 the, with the streaming stuff. So I I was just I didn't think that it reached enough people, but as a free show, as something where. You know, you you, you could watch it. You could dial it up whenever you want. There was no real pressure to watch it live. How did you feel the product delivered for that
1: expectation? For a free show? I I mean, for free, I thought it was fine. I don't know. I just – there's a lot I didn't like about the show. But there's also some stuff I did like, so I'm not – I mean, I I know (laughs) you and Heartbreak Kid and a few others had a few – enjoyed my entertaining twitter <laughs> live feed as watching the uh, the show for the first hour or so and um, you know what i
0: didn't even watch the pre-show because i didn't i i was a little bit oh, tied man, up and 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 so when i asked big dave he's like you don't need to watch the pre-show <laughs> you may want to watch i forgot the match he told me that that was good on the pre-show but he's like mm-hmm. you know you don't, you don't need to waste your time so i
1: didn't bother i actually watched the pre-show twice because because you know you know, some people went back and forth with me about the three-way tag match and say it's not as bad. And how can you call that hour horrible when you had that three-way tag? So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna sit back. I'll rewatch the three-way tag and look at it with was sec- you know, second secondary look. And and it was definitely better than when I first watched it. I think I was just getting frustrated because it was just like this multiple. Mm-hmm. You know, moves and moves and moves and moves and after a while it's like, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, all right, whatever. You know what I mean? Um, I much rather had it been a straightforward tag with the best friends and um SCU. Um uh, the party boys or I forget their, their, what was their game. Was that their <laughs> that forget, different tag team? I forget what
0: your name is. I should uh, know this. Uh hang on, I, I I will get the name for you. But, uh, private but, party
1: private party private party yeah keep it private Um, <laughs> but you know they're good young kids actually you know they, they, I see the investment in them especially yep. that one kid that was the blonde hair wore shades like you know like Bubba Rogers Mr. Hughes in the match and or actually Mr. Hughes Bubba Rogers took his glasses off
0: but, Mr. Hughes who we'll talk about in, in, yeah, in a we'll little bit yeah we'll talk about later <laughs> he, he seemed to
1: have a lot of talent the other guy like it's like where's your money for your your gear you just look really <laughs> really indie yeah, and did. really generic uh but you know they're young kids and good athletes and i can see why the young bucks like them a lot so well
0: supposedly they and i don't know if this is just in storyline or whatever but on the um i guess it would have been whatever the the post game show of being the elite for this was that they uh they signed them because they thought they had a great match so they technically sign them to a uh, guaranteed contract or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you got to you got to sign these young kids that you for your future sakes, you know, cuz you got to build around some new fresh faces, but
0: you, you know who you know our buddy uh our, our buddy Nick, he's he he doesn't really like their work at all and he was telling us that they weren't ready, you know, they they're not that good and sort of like, you know, I I mean I'm sure you could see that in their work, but to your point you know, you want to get these guys before WWE gets them, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're definitely going to get better, especially working with guys like SCU and, you know, the you know, experienced guys that they have on the roster. Um But they got a lot of, you know, very green, especially, you know, feeding into moves, like literally just sitting there waiting for the dude to come instead yeah. of, like, you know, working his way there, getting there and feeding correctly. A lot of stuff like that I saw. Um but yeah, but that you know, it wasn't as bad as I remember. You know, like that game when I first watched it. But mm-hmm. it's still like I was still kind of like, okay, it's like way too much stuff. But <laughs> I mean, for that audience though, they really love those guys. And that's just, that's the just wrestling they like. They you know they're not really into the. They want to see big moves and guys kicking out of million moves, and this one delivered for that for sure.
0: So you know, I, I'm glad you brought that point up because what I was thinking is. When it comes to these opener kind of matches, right? The they there you know you, you and I had a conversation. I don't know if you even remember this. It's probably like three years ago, one of the first podcasts we ever did, mm-hmm. and you said that you learned from Roland that the second most important match is the opener. Mm-hmm. And what I wonder is is if today's day in today's day and age, the opener is literally about what you just talked about and it's not about a realness it's not about making it look you know like a fight it's literally about exciting high spots that a lot of times they don't even make any sense but just because you're trying to get that crowd up to start the show maybe it's okay but to to your point like when 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 they when they are doing stuff like that, it kind of takes you out of it a little bit. But I do wonder if fans give them the benefit of the doubt just because they now understand what that match is for.
1: Yeah, but I, you know, it is the second most po- important match of the night. Is the opener? You need a good opener to kind of set the pace, right? But you also don't need an opener that's not going to like do his million moves. That's going to ruin the rest of the show. Like you have to have an opener that's going to give them some really good action. And but leave them still wanting more. But like, you know, I saw a million cutters and <laughs> super kicks and all that. And I'm gonna see it later anyways, you know? Yep. Like especially with the the, the young bucks matcher you and get a million of that. So like it was a little too much, you know, but you know, they have a different philosophy. It's not gonna be as overproduced, like say WWE. But I still think a lot of people bag on, and then a lot of guys want to say, "Oh, they overproduce us," and they're really bitter about that. But honestly, WWE does a really good job at that, and they do it for a reason. And you know, and it's built to you know this, this they have matches, they produce these matches because they don't want guys doing stupid shit, yeah. and they want it to mean stuff when they do it. And a lot of people get frustrated with that and they think they're being held back, but they're not being held back. They're just getting taught correctly. In my opinion you know like like for example i watched um last week um nxt show and i saw hector garza jr and dj z i forget his name joaquin wild i think now he is you Mm -hmm. know and honestly like i've seen dj z wrestled many 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 times And I've never liked a match that he had. Never liked a match. Like, I just think he's, like, 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 just like those those kids. Like, he's a good athlete, but when it comes to putting the match together, it's just a bunch of moves that don't mean shit. And But I was watching this match, and things are flowing. Things are making sense. Things Mm -hmm. are building. And they did a lot of big moves. But it built and built and built, you know. So, you know, I think that's credit to WWE. To the training at NXT, like get these guys and you know work in the correct way. So I think I just think that as an opener, and that was the opener of the show. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, "Well, why are you bagging on it's a pre-show, it's just a pre-show?" now uh, it's like the first show. This it's the first match you're watching. It's the opener. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's televised. Yeah. Come on. And so, so I think, um I think you know they they just did way, 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 way too much for me. And and, and honestly, it hurt the crowd for the next match. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, uh, we don't have to break down match by match because it did happen.
1: That no, we
0: should. Was <laughs> it did. was did. It did happen four days ago or five days ago or whatever it is. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, And by the way, I just want to tell, you know, everyone's listening to this uh, uh, on the 4th of July. So, happy 4th of July to everybody. Um, so, what, what would you say was your favorite match and what would you say was the match that you thought a lot of people liked that maybe you didn't really like as much? Because I, I, have, I have thoughts in my mind about that question, and, uh, and I'm interested to see how close we are in, in, in those two.
1: I'm trying to think my favorite match I like the most. I, I really like uh, Cody and Darby Allin's match. <laughs> That's the exact same one that I was thinking of. I mean, but honestly, I, I've, it was me. I would have put Darby Allen in the four-way and put Jungle Boy in this position.
0: That's interesting.
1: Because I think Jungle Boy would have been a better underdog babyface, getting the opportunity to wrestle an established star, and here he is making a young star, and you have Jungle Boy taking all the abuse, fighting through, fighting through, fighting through, and lasting 20 minutes with Cody. I think that would have been... A, a better story i think darby you could have put him that four away i think he could have done all this crazy shit um i like darby a lot actually i mean i i mean i think he's okay a but talented... you, you
0: could not have liked that bump that he took on the side of the apron no, oh my god
1: no. that's just crazy but he's like 22 years old and when you're 22 years old you do stupid shit and, and you bounce back a little more you was, know was he like, trained by buddy wayne yeah yeah that's okay that's what, that's what that's i thought serious. And you could—he's—he I mean, he's, has a good—he has a good presence about him, and I'm rooting for that guy. I think he's—he's he's starting to figure out. Like I said, I really—he's he's got a—he's
0: got a fantastic story too. Amazing yeah, story.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, if you watch the—the uh, the lead into the show, they do it like one of their shows. They had a great little profile. And I think I talked about it last time, our last show, and I really got into it. So I mean, I—I I think they definitely have something there with him. Yeah. And. And then obviously they do because you know Cody put him in that position. But I like the, I like the match. I think it that was like you know, and it's funny because like you know once again it's Cody you know and Cody works, you know he's such a good worker.
0: <clears throat> you know what I really like. You know what I really liked about that match is it, it wasn't. Um, I know I know Cody, you know, I, I think he sees himself in sort of like a a, a Ric Flair kind of mm-hmm. position, and it reminded me of the kind of match that flair would have as a cocky heel against a baby face he didn't think could beat him and so the whole match is flair taking the match taking the match taking it easy and then boom here comes a comeback you know so a couple of high spots come back and then flair cuts him off and then boom another comeback and so the crowd is getting behind it you know maybe it's the old territory babyface or whatever but triple h would do a match similarly in wwe sometimes with guys like um I think he did it with maybe it was a maven one time there was one there was a couple maybe with shelton i think he even did one with like the brooklyn brawler or something <laughs> and like that is what it reminded me of and i know it's kind of um easy heat in a sense because obviously darby is is the the underdog and and we'll talk about this uh, you know a little bit when when we talk about the one two three kid and razor ramon but that storytelling to me is so it's so um now, I don't want to say it's easy to do because I, I don't think it's easy to do, but it is. It is a trope that will always work on me: the underdog baby face who you don't think is going to win, and you know is 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 coming up with all these hope spots. I love that story.
1: Yeah, I mean, who doesn't like an underdog story in any sports, right? And so it always works, you know. Especially, especially like a guy like Darby, but like I said, I think it would have been even better with Juggle Boy in that spot, like. Cody overconfident and you know J- Jungle Boy fight from behind and hanging in there. I think it would have been great. I think uh, you, know, you know Jungle Boy did a really good job. <clears throat> excuse me, in that four way, but I just think uh, he would have been best suited for that position. Mm-hmm. But uh, and, uh, but yeah, I thought that was uh, my my uh, my favorite match. The match I thought that people were just going crazy about the the three way uh, girls match. I was like fucking going insane for this <laughs> match like i mean <clears throat> i couldn't beat nyla rose lost i just couldn't be believe this booking station here you have a double or nothing you book this moment where awesome kong and nyla rose are going at it right <clears throat> excuse me they're taking out of, they're taken out of the match because they're saving that big match right you're saving this big clash. these geez the biggest women in the division and you fucking beat nyla rose you gotta be fucking kidding me. you got beat by a hundred and five pound Japanese girl <laughs> with a fucking roll up or some shit. And like and now you're gonna like wanna book this battle of monsters in the future? I just saw her get beat by this little girl. Yeah. What do you think she's gonna beat Awesome con for? So fucking stupid. Like I couldn't believe it. my head was spinning when this was happening. I was like, oh my god, okay, when I saw Nyla come out and i didn't realize it was three-way i don't know i forgot the mat what a match was like okay she's gonna you know be able to show off her stuff the girl's gonna get some stuff on her blah blah blah. she'll win but i could not believe they pinned her i just thought it was just a stupid move and i don't know they're trying to do a shocking finish and then someone wrote like it's okay they can just build build her back up for you know kong later one loss not gonna hurt anything eh one loss does hurt you you know
0: she's kind of yeah She, I mean she hasn't she hasn't been on she hasn't been the main person on top monster in, in the two shows so far so
1: I mean it's it's if that's what you I mean that's what to me the man if I'm watching if there were nothing I, I'm thinking they're building to that match right I mean, did you think the two like that's why they're saving Kong and Nyla Rose I thought so yeah I thought that'd be next for that big next uh, pay-per-view in Chicago yeah yeah <clears throat> I don't know. That that's really that I that frustrated the hell out of me. I thought
0: that was so so stupid. So the match that I will say that I was totally fine with, but not my cup of tea, and I didn't really understand it, was uh, Janelle and Moxley. Um, you know, total the total hardcore match. Those guys worked their behinds off. Took crazy, you know, crazy stuff. Uh, the, you know, the the thumbtacks to the feet and all that stuff is kind of grotesque and i get it why it's and think because you're like oh you know you this is gross i can't believe you're doing this but i don't even understand what the beef was to do an unsanctioned match like that shouldn't that be more of like a blow-off than the first match you know that 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 you have
1: i think so i mean this just happened on one episode of you know whatever it was BTE or something like that, I don't know I, I didn't watch it so I can't understand it I, I thought the match was okay, I thought it felt like a setup for stunts instead of like a brawl or fight um, it just was kind of like I thought it was a let down, they just did like, like I said, they just set up stuff and they did it and there's some gross stuff in there, it just didn't feel like it, it didn't feel like a real rivalry or anything like that and uh, the best part of the match was the end I thought with omega and uh moxley going at it that was silly this Uh, one this felt there's no intensity in this match at all
0: i thought that i thought that was good as well i could have done without omega's goofy stuff though
1: yeah yes but he's gonna do that stuff yeah
0: I I, i know that's his personality but when the guy just destroys you at double or nothing and then you decide to to hit him with drumsticks i don't know kind of not not necessarily my thought of getting revenge but um I guess that's why they're going to have the match. The um, uh, What do you think about Janela? Because what I wonder is, if can he have a non... I, and I haven't seen him a lot, so I know people are going to say, oh, I've seen him in all these different matches where he had a regular match. But have you seen him in a non-garbage match where he's actually you know, good because I, 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 it seems like the stuff that I've seen him in it, it's stunt after stunt, after stunt, after stunt, and you're more so going like this dude is crazy rather than this dude is a good wrestler.
1: Yeah. I haven't seen too much of his stuff when it comes to his regular matches. I have just seen little wild stuff, of course. Yeah. And honestly, it's all, all been just clips and stuff. So I can't really judge him on his work, like, you know, in a regular match yet. So I'll have to see it and see how he does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how does he fit? I think he is a mid card character. You know, I think he's someone that's you know he's he's goofy and he's kooky and he's gonna do crazy shit and that's the guy you book out to do crazy shit. You yeah. Know, he's, uh, he's 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 um, the Tommy Dreamer, I guess of that of that group.
0: And you know, Tommy Dreamer's still working today. Keep getting them checks, Tommy Dreamer. So yeah. I guess it it can you can do it. So. um so yeah, I mean, you know, I thought I thought the uh the match that I was most looking forward to was the was the uh the uh, six-man tag and it delivered. It was goofy because again, it was the sort of the video game gimmick match and Omega and uh and uh the Young Bucks coming out as Street Fighter characters was mm-hmm. was pretty cool, you know, for for those of us, you and I, who grew up in that era where, you know, Street Fighter was the most popular video game going. Um that was kind of cool and they, you know that for that audience i thought it probably worked really well uh the match was good did uh, i think yeah. it, it delivered what what you expected it to deliver and they're going to redo it for uh, triple mania so they'll, they'll they'll do it again and maybe maybe the, the mexican wrestlers will, will get their win back but uh yeah i thought that delivered but you know it, it was good i didn't think it was a match of the year candidate but i thought it was totally fine for for uh what i expected
1: yeah it, w- it was fine and and you know, just it did lack the like, like if I was comparing it to the, the match at double or nothing, it definitely didn't live up to that and lack the intensity of that match, but it was fine. And you know, I was I expected I did expect a little more from it, but it didn't really deliver that in that respect. But I thought it was okay. Um, a lot of like you expect, you know, a lot of crazy stuff and big moves. I didn't have an issue with. Kenny and the young bus coming out of street Fighter characters. I mean, they're at a freaking, <laughs> you know, video game yep. convention, whatever the hell it is. And, you know, and a lot, a lot of people are online Were you know, either hating it or, or, loving it. And, and I didn't understand why they would hate it. I mean, it makes sense. You know, it's part of this thing. They're going to do some kind of video game stuff. And of course, you know, here locally hood slam, cause they have, they do, um, Knock off of video game characters and Street Fighter is one of them. They they, they, they automatically put out. I saw they put out on Twitter that, uh, it's kind of not like they're copying us, you know, because they think everyone in wrestling copies them. But left, I mean, I love I like you know, hey, but left for Hood Slam locally did a great job. But listen, no one knows who you are. You know what I mean? <laughs> like no no one's copying you. You know you know Finn Balor is not. They take the demon from Troopy. <laughs> all right, Finn Balor doesn't know who you are, and you know, uh, Dr. Trossi, great guy, but come on. Bray White's not doing your gimmick. Yeah. W T V yeah. doesn't know who you are either. It's just <laughs> come on guys. let's just gonna kind of, living reality. But you know, they they're just they they're uh doing their thing. But it's just it's just funny, people are like really upset about it or they loved it. I was like, Man, people really make a big deal about them dressing up as characters. It's like it's like, you know, Raven Steer up being a superhero character when he comes out for big matches, you know? So I have no problem with that.
0: The uh, I, I guess I, I do want to mention, you talked about Jungle Boy a little bit earlier with the four-way. Um, I, I know they're trying to, you know, they're building Cole. He's, he's going to challenge Jericho for the title. And he's kind of, I think JR is trying to turn him into a little bit of like a Stone Cold Steve Austin-esque character with his commentary. Uh, but the the thing that I remember out of that match is whatever the hell that jungle boy did off the middle rope to the outside would that that crazy flip that came out of nowhere oh my god that was i would never seen that before
1: he did it for the first time at uh, i think pwg like a few shows back and i remember we were talking about it with him at uh, at wrestlemania weekend where we were all hanging out and he i think he mentioned something like yeah it's the first time i did it. and he smashed his face on the crowd oh Yeah. So, but it's a unique move, and and he, you know, he, this one looked looked pretty good. Looked kind of looked like he got his face again, almost. Well, that's what it looked like, but uh, but yeah, he did a good job, and I really was really happy that he was the one taking a fall. I thought for sure if that was his spot in that match. Was he going to take this fall? But they 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 booked Jimmy Havoc to lose, and rightfully so. And you know, so I'm I'm happy that they see Jungle Boy as something because they have something there. And mm-hmm. I, I, I hope they recognize that. I think they do. And that's why I was kind of hoping, like, man, I would have loved to, you know, me, I would have loved to put Jungle Boy in that spot that Darby Allin had. And because I think he has such an under underdog babyface story that just people don't you know, love and like. And he's going to be such a big star for them.
0: So let's move on a little bit to the G1 in Dallas, which I really. You arranged. don't
1: want to talk about the hardcore matches with the baby oil?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: didn't watch it did you
0: you didn't I, watch the pre-show no i didn't watch it uh you the, you're watch. talking about the the jabeli and nakazawa match
1: yes i you didn't watch it but what did you think about what do you think about them putting that match on
0: so i only heard descriptions of it i didn't see it I, I think in order for me to fully understand what it was i probably needed to see it i mean i can sort of imagine some of the stuff that was going on um I guess depending on how many people actually watch that pre-show would probably determine whether or not I thought it was okay. Uh, I but you know like they keep saying that this is just gonna be the thing. You know J gonna be on this show every year, just this one show every year. I, I I mean I don't know why I don't know what the deal is, but that's kind of what they're doing. They they, they do goofy stuff, so you know they have interesting sense of humor. And they want to be a little bit different and they want to expose a different side to wrestling, more power to them. Uh, I think if it's not your cup of tea, you should voice that. Uh, but if it doesn't bother you, then that's fine too. I, I just – I would rather avoid it than watch it simply because I know I'm going to not like it. So I just avoided
1: it. Yeah, I couldn't believe what I what I saw because, you know, like my you – know, part of the excitement for AEW, for me, is when Tony Call says, we're going to be sports-centric, it's going to be at the records, you know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, all right, cool, you know, like, I hope so, And, and then show number, I guess we'll be, technically this is probably show number three, right? If you count, you know. If you count all in. If you count all in. So, you know, show three, I'm getting this match, you know, like, with the baby oil, and this guy who I, the money, I think he's like a money mark guy. I think, I don't know his story, you know, like if he is like, is there other way you could have had him out there to satisfy him. I know you got, you know, give money Mark moments to keep them all, you know, into it and keep wanting to pump out some money. But like, I wish they would have, you know, but it was like, I'm watching this. And I'm just like, if my kids, I mean, luckily they're busy playing. Like how couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I wanted to just, cuss the top of my lungs i was like (laughs) what am i watching here like (laughs) and then i mean that you know the baby oil stuff i know nakazawa does the baby oil stuff and but you know what it was not getting over to this crowd yeah like they would pop to for moments like you know there'd be legos on the ground and on the in the ring and then there'd be a body slam or power bomb or something like that and the crowd would pop for, for something like that right but like they weren't like like they weren't really into it, and I don't think I don't think it got over that well. Same thing with the librarian stuff; not over at all. The fans were just sitting on their hands whoop, and not laughing at the stuff. It did not get over at all. So I hope I hope Tony Khan saw this. Was like, hey guys, let's eh, let's not do this anymore, or let's get away from it because not my deal. And I mean the baby oil stuff. Then you had the freaking referee slipping on the baby oil. I'm like, oh god, okay okay, now that referee's credibility means shit, right? Yeah. And yeah. it's like, then I'm, then I'm thinking like, well, he must be the mark referee that they have that did it. They just, you know, because there's always that referee. They're like, all right, if we're going to do some stupid shit, let's not have, like I used to do this all the time. Like if I had something I thought was going to be kind of goofy for referees to make them look bad, I'm not putting Tom Caster. <laughs> <laughs> I'd put someone else because I would always say but, right
0: but at some point, that referee is going to put two and two together and go, how come I'm always doing the goofy stuff? And then he's I would know. hope so.
1: I would hope so. And be like, why am I like in this position? Because you know, you gotta step your game up. And 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 so like I'm watching, I'm like, oh my god, like, what am I watching here? Yep. And then after it's all over, here comes the Oklahoma Sooner music, and here comes Jim Ross. I'm like, oh my god, you just have this a legend in our business, the, the one of the D greatest, if not the greatest, play-by-play play manners in our business. And he has to come out, walk it out after that. And he made like a joke, like he gave it four stars or something. Goofy. <laughs> like he tried to play nice with it and stuff. But,
0: but you know why? Because Jim Ross is like, yeah, yeah, I know. I was in Vince McMahon's Kiss My Ass Club too. I can't really hate that bad.
1: Yeah, yeah. He had to do stuff. But God damn, this was just, this was some funky shit. I... I mean, the the whole, like, oh, it's only a once-a-year thing that we're going to use this Jabaley guy and do stupid shit like that. Like, eh, that's a cop-out, dude. Just say, hey, it was a misfire, and don't do it again.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, hopefully they do learn. Um, uh, and we'll be able to do this again in uh, another week and a half because the Fight for the Fallen is also free on BR Live, and you get the Bucks and uh, Cody and Dustin and... Um, uh, I I don't even I actually don't even know what else is on that show, but um, I wonder
1: the, what the storyline is going to be with that because I wonder how they're going to play up the the injury to Cody is, you
0: know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And uh, what do you think of the chair shot? As we're I mean, let's let's stay I, on let's stay on the AEW just a little bit longer. What do you think of? The, I, still uh, I still
0: can't I still can't I tried to rewatch it. and I can't figure out how he got busted open.
1: Um, uh, I think the chair wrapped around and got him in the back of the head. But looks I, like to me.
0: But I like. I I watched it and maybe it's because the camera angle wasn't perfect to see that, but I was like, mm-hmm. I still couldn't see. Like I I
1: looked for it and I still couldn't see it. So uh. we well, turned his head opposite, right, so I can hit in the face. So he got hit. You know they. You know I guess the chair t- was somewhat gimmicked, and I don't know. It just it was. I could. I was. I mean, I'm not offended by like I'm not offended by it or anything. I wasn't like up in arms about it or anything. Um, I just thought like, wow, like fuck, you didn't put your hands up, that was crazy. And probably not smart in this day and age, mm-hmm. but you know, uh, but you know, Cody's Cody has his dad in him, right? And, you know, I think he he'll he'll go the extra mile to get an angle over. And and I'm just thinking like when I see this angle and like Sean Spears and I'm just thinking like why then why'd you have the the man with no legs eliminated in the battle royal in this previous show? <laughs> if you're gonna shoot this angle, mm-hmm. right? Like why would you do that? Cause now all I see is Sean Spears, the guy that got eliminated by the guy with no legs. Yep. That's why that's how I view Sean Spears now. That's how I. that's how I view him on this show, on in AEW. I view him as the guy that got eliminated. And so like he wasn't he's was treated like an afterthought in this, this freaking battle royal. That was horrible. And now he's in this major program with Cody who signed into a contract and so why is he what what's his what's his issue with cody that's what i want to see how they're gonna explain that i didn't even watch bte but i'm curious to see this i'm curious about the storyline how they're gonna explain this but i don't know i thought it was interesting that Emma, you know i wasn't offended by the chair shot or anything like that but I don't know. It, was, it was it was it was it was gnarly and and very bloody and, and physical you know and then the very hardcore angle yep yep um
0: I think, uh, I, n- knowing what you just said about Cody wanting to be his dad, we also said he looks up to Ric Flair. I think he'll be able to do something with this. Personally, I, I'm not a huge Dillinger guy, but I know that um, I know that there's a story there, and they have to tell it, and they decided to do it a little bit differently where Spears kind of comes out of nowhere. The announcers didn't even really sell the connection at all. So I think they're going to try to tell the story through all of the, uh, the, the online stuff that they do with the mm-hmm. road to shows and the being the elite and all that stuff. So they'll probably tell the story there. I think that's okay in lieu of TV, right? Cause if you had TV, then you would do it on TV. Um, and so I, I trust that I trust that it'll be good though, because I think, I think Cody is Cody is pretty dialed in right now, don't you? Don't you mm-hmm. feel like he, like his goal right now is to like be one of the best guys? Like it just seems like he's fully dialed in, and he has huge goals for what
1: he wants to become as a wrestler. Yeah, and he has complete creative his own program, and and you know, I think Cody's. He's a really smart guy, so I think he's definitely. Gonna have, I think he has a good idea what he wants with the storyline, and and I hope it gets over. I bet it will. I bet, I'll, I bet I'll end up liking it because I've been uh, really into um, I'm Cody's stuff so far in AEW, but I want to see how it plays in the tag match a couple weeks because I think they should really. I don't. I think. I don't know. I think they should either have Cody not be in the match. They should either have or Cody's in the match and he loses the fall by you know and weakened because he still has issues with the the chair shot and concussion sy- symptoms or something like that. Even though they said he had, you know, he wrote on Twitter already had no he has no concussion, but just twelve staples. Thanks. <laughs> <It helps out. laughs> you know, I, I would have done that. You know, it'd have been like I would have played it up. Like, okay, how, okay. How so, don't...
0: since we you you since you want to stay on this, what do you think of Cornette's reaction to the to the explanation that the chair was supposed to be gimmicked?
1: <laughs> I thought that was stupid too. Like I, I if I was them I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have said all that kinda of stuff. And uh, I know Kfabe's dead and people know what's what, but like you can just handle it like, yeah, you know, like you just handle it like the chair is real. Why can't we just handle it like the chair is real instead of like, oh we gimmicked it, but something must have fucking happened.
0: But do you do you, don't don't you think that if the gimmick thing worked fine, they wouldn't have said that, right? Because I think they're worried about this perception that they're being reckless and you know, you can't mess with you know, with concussions these days and there's repercussions to the NFL and what happens if Cody really got hurt. Like I feel like there was a little bit of that in there with why they did that.
1: I don't know. I would have I would have just explained it to like, oh, you know, hey we don't know anything about like why Cody didn't put his hands up, we took the chair shot or something like that. like let Cody explained it, you know. I don't know. I just I just thought that the the chair was gambit was just stupid. You know, now everyone's gonna think a chair is gimmicked. You know, you know, it, you know, every casual fan they already think, oh, that's craziness. Like there's yeah. a big spring, and <laughs> a big spring. There you know, there's a, there's, you know, the ring has a big spring on it, so it's okay <laughs> when they fall. And I still, I still hear that all the time. Yes, funny yep. to yep. this day and age.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, G one in Dallas. I was supposed to go to this show. I'm not going to the show. I gave my tickets away. Two of the guys who are on our uh, on our, fa- our our fight game podcast Facebook group, which you can fully join if you want, just go to the fight game media Twitter handle, and uh, the p- first pinned post is how to join the uh, the Facebook group if you if you if you want to. But uh, Brady Childs and uh, Kevin Irazo uh, are the guys who I gave the tickets to. Really good tickets. I was I was kind of thinking, like, you know, should I try and get money for these? Because they were, like, I think I paid, like, 150 each for them. Hmm. And then I I did put them on um, StubHub, and I saw what the other tickets were going for on StubHub, and I was like, there's, like, I mean, maybe if I sell them for $50, bucks i will be able to get rid of them. <laughs> and, uh, and just decided, you know what? Like, let's just, you know, if, if there's two people who are just really into this show and would love to go, um, go you know all 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 for the better and and I haven't even I I gave them to both of them I gave them the 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 tickets on Ticketmaster I have not even thought twice about it or thought oh maybe I should have got money not even I I think they're gonna have a blast I'll I'll probably see Brady in uh, in Dallas on Friday so I'll be able to kind of catch up and have dinner with him and and uh, and that and then uh, and then Kevin it won't be there on Friday, but uh, he said he wants to send me a report. So maybe if he sends me a report, we'll put it up on on FightGameBlog dot com. Nice. But but uh, but yeah. So you know, I will be there Friday though. Dave, uh, Dave and I are taking a red eye tomorrow night uh, to Dallas, and uh, we're going to do the press conference and and we'll, we'll do some interviews for Wrestling Observer Radio. I don't. I thought. I think. At least the last time I talked to him about it, which has been a while because I was gone for all of last week, I think we were gonna do Ibushi and Liger, but nice. um, you know that we'll we'll see exactly how that works out, and and if we have more or less or 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 whatever. But uh, but we'll be there, and uh, and then and then yeah, we're coming back Saturday morning because obviously there's a big UFC show this weekend. And uh and then the uh the G one show from Dallas is actually early. It starts like at three o'clock our time or
1: something like that. Really? Yeah. You know, it's funny that you say this, but uh I'm gonna have to watch it later that night. I won't watch it live for two reasons. One, wife and I have a date night. Mm-hmm. Two my mother-in-law, my mother, my mom's in town. She's staying in our front room, <laughs> <laughs> in your TV room, in the TV room. Something I said, Mom, I'm gonna introduce you to Tana. <laughs> Let me know if you become a fan. She'll probably fall asleep. So be awesome. I'm gonna try to watch. I'm gonna try to watch it that night. I had to watch that match. You know, I'm so bummed that I go to the show. Honestly, I really, really am bummed because uh, I was hoping and praying that, you know, at MSG. That was where we were gonna get Tanahashi and Okada, yeah. right? And I was gonna see that classic match. I, we did see a great match with uh, Okada, and why I love that match. But like, man, I just to see you know I never got to see a Flair versus Build or Dory Funk versus Jack Briscoe. and this is and we're getting the or Kobashi Masawa match. Like we're we're getting it now, you know. Like these US fans are so freaking lucky to get to see the P.Y.B. be live so. Brady and Kevin, God bless you, man. And hope you guys enjoy it because I'm sure they're going to have another classic. They just, they just, they could just, they can half ass it and still have a classic. That's how great they are. So I don't think I'm going to be
0: able to watch it until Sunday. Uh, So I, I, which means it'll be impossible for me to stay away from spoilers as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it it is on access. So those of you who who have access, I, I know access isn't in every home. But uh, but you should definitely check it out because I think it's gonna be a great show. So let's just quickly go over the uh, the the tournament matches here. So a, these are A block matches. Will Osprey against Lance Archer. Lance was on Wrestling Observer Radio. Um, I guess it would have come out earlier this morning. We're recording this on Wednesday evening. Uh, it, it, he he was talking about Will and and the match and you know he's kind of one of the only. You know, big guys other than Bad Luck Fale in the tournament. You know, we're talking about height and, and size, and uh, he was he was pretty he was a pretty cool guy. I really liked the interview. But he's facing Will Osprey, who is one of the hottest guys now. Big Dave thinks that Lance Archer is going to win this match in an upset because of Me Dallas too. and it being Lance Archer's uh, his hometown. Really, he's he, I mean, he's been the, the local guy. You know, kind of hyping the show. So,
1: yeah. Well, traditionally, like G One likes to open up with some upsets. Yeah. And So I think this is like a perfect. When I saw this one, I thought, yeah, for sure, Dallas. He's doing a lot of promotional work for it, you know. Um, again, I like to book upsets on the opening nights, so I think yeah, this I could definitely see this one. They had a really good match. I think it was at the Cup this yes, year. Yes, yes. It, uh, it was
0: at the New Japan Cup.
1: I thought it was pretty good. I thought, I thought there's some stuff I didn't like about it. I Remember, I didn't like. Like Osprey be going from like zero to hero, too. I thought it was like too fast. Of his already now he's fine and doing all those crazy moves, but uh, I think I'm expecting this match to be really good. So I'm saying Archer definitely with the win here.
0: And then the next match is Evil against Bad Luck Fale. Um, hmm. that's an interesting one. Because Bad Luck Fale is is often protected in these matches because his gimmick is he's just a gigantic guy, uh, but Evil has is, is usually successful in in the G one of late as well. So that that'll be interesting how they how they book that.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go with Evil in this one.
0: Sonata against Zack Saber Jr., which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, I yeah, I don't I don't even know where to go with that one. Who didn't he beat? Sonata beat Saber in the Cup. I want to say. I think because they had a really good technical match. I think that was that that last year's G one. God, they have so many matches now. It's starting to all run together. I used to be able to remember all this kind of stuff. I know, I know. If that's the case, I want to say Saber does get the win here.
0: And then, um then i mean this is one of the most interesting matches only because it's Kenta's uh, it's Kenta's first match and you kind of want to see what he has and he's facing Kotebushi who as we remember he had the crazy match with Naito where uh he kind of got knocked silly and uh and so for both of these guys actually it, it's super interesting just to just to see where where both guys are at I, I would love for Kenta's sake for him to just come out of the gate with like a four and three quarter five star
1: match. I expect him. He's going to have a good match. I expect Kenta to the win because you've got to start him off strong. And I think it's, he's going to beat him by knockout. That would be cool. Yeah. That would be
0: really cool. Uh, yeah, you, you're right. Um, so uh, actually, no, it was actually uh, I, I was looking up to see if to see if Sonata faced uh, Zack Sabre. He, he would have faced Zack Sabre, but Tanahashi beat Zack Sabre, so Sonata instead faced um. Tanahashi to get to Okada.
1: So they did not wrestle him. That's a tough one. I'm I still going to go with Zack on this one as well. You know why? For our boy Rodney. <laughs> Rod the bod. Uh,
0: and then Okada and Tanahashi. And, man, like, if there was ever a rock versus austin main event that i would have ever wanted to see live like this is this is it and i'm really bummed but you know family you know i would i would have felt really guilty being in uh, in dallas while my parents are moving and, and then if anything happened you know i wouldn't be able to to be in town so i decided to yeah. to make sure that I, I was home for it but um but yeah man okada and tanahashi's ridiculous ridiculous main event for this show
1: yeah, I'm saying 30-minute time limit draw I'm going Broadway on this one. Do you think they can end the show like that? Um, I hope so. <laughs> I don't think it's a bad <laughs> thing. I think, I think time limit draws are fine. I think they're great if you use them correctly. Like I always did, even though people would get pissed off I did too many of them. But, hey, I love myself a time limit draw. And I like it, it, kind of circling back to AEW. One thing I did like about is that they introduced a time limit draw. Yeah in, a, in AEW. I think you gotta establish that cause that's great and you know i think I, I like the idea that tanahashi and okada have draws in a g1 but like you know and if it's a big title match then then there's a, a winner right so mm-hmm. or something so i hope so you know um i hope i hope i hope uh, if that if not I, I can see okada getting the win here but time of the draw is my vote
0: so the uh, the only other thing I wanted to talk about quickly before we get to Raw episode 22 from 1993 is uh, UFC 239. Now, we have both been on the record of late as saying, you know, we're not super in love with the product right now, the ESPN Plus uh, experience, but... Up and down, at least for the main card, and I mean, when you have uh, Claudia Gadelia and uh, and uh, Gilbert Melendez on the prelim card on ESPN, like it's got to be a stacked show because those are those are main card fighters. The main card is actually looking pretty sweet. Um, I, there's not that one like real nuts match and, and you know maybe Masvidal and Ben Askren is, is that match to to some there's not that one like oh god i can't wait to see this fight but there are some really strong fights on this show when it comes to you know how you feel about UFC these days like the, did this one excite you at all when you saw you know that oh wow there's a UFC show this weekend
1: um overall it did like uh, yeah, there's a lot of fun fights and interesting fights um I think it's a good hardcore fans show. Um, I don't know if it's gonna capture that casual fans fans other than maybe it'd be in July and people are on vacation or just chilling at home. You know, what I mean, they want it's summertime. They want to order a big fight. That, mm-hmm. like, maybe that they would get some extra buy. I still think it's more towards geared toward the hardcores. Um, though John, I, think, Jones, I just
0: think that's the product these days, especially with yeah. ESPN Plus.
1: John's Jones may still have that maybe that curiosity from the casual viewer, maybe a little bit, but not, not nothing, nothing major. Um, but yeah, I, I like the you know. Any time fights, I want to watch because I just love that guy. I think he's just great. Um, my girl Claudia's in the car prelims. I'm probably gonna take the pre I'll probably watch that. Um, if you know, if it wasn't for my daughter's birthday the next day, part party the next day, and make sure I'm here to. Help the wife and then he all, you know, getting the house ready and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and my mom, my mom being in town as well, spend time with her. Like I definitely been over big days watching this one, but, uh, but you yeah, have to skip out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm like, I want to watch it though. I do. Um, will I order it? No, <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to pay for it, but, uh, but it should be fun. I think it's going to be a fun show and hope they have some, some killer fights. Oh, Nunes and Holmes good. You know, yeah. hope that delivers. I think, I think that has potential to be a, a, a really sleeper, like really good fight because mm-hmm. those women can go and 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 Nunez. Let's see what she you know. If she beats home. I think that really cements her. Cements her, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, so
0: let it. Let's move on to our RAW review from 1993, episode 22, and we are behind now by uh i think the i think the air date for this show was june 21 so that would put us about two weeks uh behind the 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 live show uh so i think what we're going to try to do hopefully next week is we will try our best to double up and catch up so this week, you know, we only have the one cuz it was hard for for me to kind of get caught up on everything cuz I was out of town for a week. But next week what I hope is that we can we can get uh, get get caught up and uh, our buddy Jason Hagholm he wants me to call him to talk about uh, the U.S. Intrepid Fourth uh, of July Body Slam Challenge. So I'll probably call him up and record a little bit of a side conversation, maybe as an intermediary between our two reviews, and uh, and kind of make it make it a little fun there. Because I think, gosh, he he was probably like five years old when this happened. <laughs> maybe even younger, actually.
1: But um, yeah, maybe we can work it out where it's all the three of us. I'll, I'll just see if I can make it out to the fight game block studios and uh, the fight game media studios. Excuse me.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I, I, I it, the, the only problem is, is he's in Canada. So he, if we do it super late, he's like, it's like two o'clock in the morning for him. So we'll see, we'll see. We'll make, we'll do something though. Um, I, I, I do want to involve the folks who, who kind of get giddy for, for some of these shows. Cause it, you know, being part of their childhood. Um, so, so raw 22, we are back in Poughkeepsie the, the way that they shot the show and the way that the show looks, it actually looked like superstars to me more than it did Raw.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they. WWE's production is always so good. They can make any small building look big, right? I mean, just this. It's, the building looks great. I thought it was. I like the look of Pepsi. I like it, honestly. You know, the Manhattan Center has a nice vibe to it. And But, like, I just, you know, the crowd always at Pepsi seems pretty always seem hot and ready to go. So I, I, I think uh, – I thought it was pretty cool. It's good to change the scenery up a little bit for yeah. the, the you know, Manhattan Center.
0: Totally. Uh, so the, the show opens, and we see Rick and Scott Steiner with the tag team titles. And they let us know – Vince let us know that the Steiners had won the titles on like a Monday or something. And then they lost them, and then they mm-hmm. won them back on the weekend. And so they did a couple of different title changes – and the Steiners are now the tag team champions. Uh, they faced Barry Hardy and Reno Riggins here. Um I think this was there was a scary Frankensteiner that happened in mm-hmm. this match. Yeah. Uh, R- Reno Riggins, I don't know if he thought Scott jumped too early or something, because he dove headfirst into this Frankensteiner and I thought he was gonna like dart himself into the ring, into the mat. He,
1: he jumped too late. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, when I, I watched it twice, it looked like he jumped too late. And maybe he didn't think that, maybe he had a little more time and he's like, oh shit, there go. Yeah. I mean, they didn't replay it, thank God, but fu- it looked nasty either way, right? So Scott didn't look too happy. <laughs> <laughs> he also didn't go crazy afterwards. So maybe he did in the locker room. But, uh, but uh, you, know, you know, Rita Rigg is actually a really good worker. I mean, he's one of my favorite enhancement guys or job guys. Um, always really reliable i think just you know one of those weird moments where things didn't come together correctly but uh but you know all in all like reno riggins is always put on you know if you see him maybe see him booked in a in a match like you know it's going to be a a solid match you know Mm so so it's cool to see reno riggins and i was i always liked his work and stuff and I think he's, I mean, he might be running a promotion in Alabama or some shit out there. Or you know. <laughs> maybe Dave Dutcher will wrestle for his promotion. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, he did was involved in the promotion. I remember watching like five years ago called uh, – I think it was called like Saw, like something South Atlantic Wrestling or something like that. But it was it was kind of like a really cool little promotion. I actually enjoyed uh, – he was like a commissioner or something like that. But yeah, he was a pretty decent talker too, which is funny because – he didn't really get too many opportunities to talk. But I think actually Cornette early on in Smoky Mountain used him, and would give him a few wins on TV. I believe back in, I mean he was good. He was he's, he's a reliable hand. And uh, I remember him and Horowitz had a like a tag team, like an undercard kind of a job tag team. And they had the same t- tights and the black and the green. I, so I remember thinking that was so cool. Like oh they're like a regular team now, you know. <laughs> And yeah, the so it, it was cool to see and Steiners is like what this is like classic Steiner's match, right? They did all the moves. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Scott did some killer suplexes, and this is my issue with the Steiner's WWF, and we always talk about like why didn't they ever become like as you know why their run wasn't was such a failure? Because look what happened. Like they went on the house show. I know that's this is the thing that I I thought immediately was why
0: doesn't the Main crowd get to see them finally overcome and and win the titles. Did Uh, you
1: get a chance to read the server for this week or no? So I did, but I'm guessing Vince was trying to pump pump up the houses a little bit, maybe get some, um, you know, like some buzz to the house shows or something. I don't know.
0: The only thing that he said that he wrote was that they were doing something different with the surprise uh so i mean so kind of what kind of what you said which is you know you want fans to be able to to go to house shows thinking that something like that could happen and so you know they they were kind of in into that thing to to you know make the surprise possibility that something like that could happen But,
1: but they need to do it where it's like on a thursday or whatever wednesday and they have like 30 seconds or, or a minute two minutes footage of the title change yeah. where they could put it on saturday and monday to where like fans would go oh my god i gotta be there you know i gotta yeah. be there live i said so i thought bill walked did a great job with that i remember uh wcw 1992 when like he would do some stuff on look like, well he, he really was trying to build that aura of the omni up again because it kind of fell off big time and so i remember he did like the steiners losing the tag team titles to steve williams and terry gordy scotty flamingo winning the, the lightweight title for brad armstrong or brad armstrong win the lightweight title for scotty flamingo in that in that show july 5th 1992 by the way and um <laughs> why well, i remember that because it's crazy and um you know stuff like that. I remember like, as a kid, even though I didn't get to go to like the Omni, I was like, I live in California. I remember like, oh man, those fans are lucky. You know, I like, know, right? I felt it's the no same way. way. So I, there's no, I, I don't remember. Maybe, maybe Nick, I know he's listening. Was there any footage of this? I don't think so. There was no footage of this, these title changes because I, I think I would have seen it. I think I would have remembered it.
0: They also during this match is they're starting to hype the USS Intrepid. Mm-hmm. I think Vince says, uh, no, you see, he actually says it in the next match that Bill Frelick from WrestleMania two is going to be one of the guys to try and to slam Yokozuna. Yeah. Bill Frelick who passed away, uh, I think earlier this year. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, the next match, and this is, this is a, maybe the longest match in the history of raw so far, I think. Could be, yeah. I'm trying to think if there was one, you know, cuz we've we've watched all these shows and was there a match that was longer than uh than Doink versus two out of 3 falls?
1: I don't You know, you're, you're probably right. You know, I definitely believe it. So, I liked this match. It was fun. Yeah,
0: I thought it was good. Savage basically tells, you know, cuz at the beginning beginning of the match or the, actually beginning of the show Is they're already teasing that there's going to be a second doink under the ring, so they're they're putting that in your head as far as what this match is, and you know beginning of the match there's no second doink, Um, Savage, excuse me, Savage goes DTA, don't trust him anyway, (laughs) he tried. Uh, Bobby has a classic line. <laughs> Bobby has a classic line uh, where uh, I think Doink pulls Jeanette's hair, and Bobby says that it was a Greco-Roman hair pull. Yeah, yeah, classic, <laughs> classic Bobby. So uh, the first fall is uh, clean, clean fall, clean victory for for Doink. The first fall, he does the the big butt spout, but the butt splash off the top rope, just like the old uh, the old Big Josh uh, move, uh, as Big
1: Josh. Uh, I always liked that move. I, yeah, his dad I, did it too. I always thought it was dad. such a cool move. Yeah, Tough Tony Bourne, his dad was. I think I don't know if he was the innovator of it, but I know that was his finisher in in, in Portland. And you know, he, you know, Matt Bourne the same same thing. And it looked great. I thought, the, I thought that was a smooth finish. Came off great. Like you know, I think I think Barty missed something in the corner. Bumps out. Boom, boom, boom. He goes to the top rope. Here comes the whoopee cushion. Bam, like. Uh, that was awesome
0: yeah the the um there's a i think there was a there may have been an issue in the in the second fall (laughs) because because marty goes to the top rope and doink just like doesn't turn around so he's like up there and the referee gets to a five count and marty just kind of like goes like what the hell drops to his feet it's a sweet super kick Mm-hmm. And then uh and then he goes for the cover, Doink's near the ropes, and then they set up for the fist drop off the top rope, uh, to get the second fall. But what the hell what the hell happened there?
1: Well, he was not feeding up to take the super kick and then into the fist drop right no, he's on the top rope. So he wasn't like feeding up for something, right? Or yeah. wasn't a position for something. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know if I didn't know if he would, think, like, did he do it to be a dick or he just didn't know? No, maybe he forgot or maybe he got knocked a little loopy. I couldn't really make it out myself what was going on. It was weird. And then, you know, the referee's counting, so Marty has to get off the top rope because he needs to go off his five. and a rule that probably no one really remembers anymore. <laughs> and um, and Marty sets up that nice super kick that looked great and then that was cool. It was like that that moment of awkwardness with Marty having to get off the top rope because it was a five count. When he went up for a second time in the ref starts counting, Marty gives, the, you know, Joey Morell like a look like, you know, like I, yeah, I'm going to jump now. Right. Or something like that. And the crowd like popped, yeah. you know, like it was actually, I don't know if it was their plan or what, but whatever, it, honestly, whatever it was, it, it, it worked. It, it was a big pop for Marty hitting that fish drop off the top rope and getting the
0: win. So, Third fall, um, excuse me. Do- doink actually puts uh, puts Marty in a crossface. I thought that was pretty cool. S T F, yeah. And uh, and then uh, then the second Doink comes out, goes under the ring. Uh, Vince is is screaming and yelling and, and going like, Hey, you know, you, you said that you know. I hope you saw that that Doink went under the ring. And Bobby goes, What what happened? My monitor went out. And Vince is like, We're sharing the same monitor. Come on. <laughs> So, uh, so the second doink gets involved here. Uh, So the original doink goes under the ring and Marty's trying to figure out, he thinks he's coming on the other side, but he's actually kind of playing possum. The original doink comes back on the same side uh, and Marty, Marty sees him coming, but then the second doink does come in the ring. First doink is back under the ring. Second doink wins with a, uh, with a pile driver we talked about Randy Savage getting involved in, yeah, these, no. in these matches. Yeah. Savage goes into the uh, go, uh, goes into the ring, goes outside, pulls the original Doink out. So now there's throws him into the ring. Now there's two Doinks in the ring. Then the referee Joey Morella disqual, I guess he disqualifies uh, Doink, and so Jannetty wins the match. But but uh, well, yeah, Savage getting involved again. And you know the the finish was goofy, but still really good match. I you know it, it did it did keep my attention for the whole thing and, and, you know, through, through the AEW shows kind of clicking forward 15 seconds, you know, every couple minutes. And this match just kept my, kept my, uh, my interest the whole time.
1: Yeah. It was good pace. I mean, I like watching Matt Bourne work. He's really good. And, you know, it's been fun watching these old Raws cause it's like, I mentioned this before too. It's like, it's like such a great appreciation for the brilliance of Matt Bourne's, character mm-hmm. like the whole entrance with the unicycle and just like he really captured evil doink right like i love i mean i remember when i was a kid i was like this is this goofy and kind of embarrassed yeah. by yeah, it a little yeah, bit." Yeah. but looking back it was like pretty freaking clever and genius and i just it says unfortunately that Matt Bourne's demons cost him his job, and then they turn into Doink babyface. Then he became really annoying fast. Yeah, but uh, evil evil clown Doink is is pretty great, and you know this match is uh, was like like I said, really solid and fun. And I the only problem I think they're going to the 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 two Doink thing way too much. Yeah, way too much. I think it's okay for Doink to pin Marginetti clean with any without any help or whatever you know like he could still cheat it but he didn't need a second joint to do it like i think it's fine you know
0: so the next match is mr hughes versus bobby who uh yeah, yeah n- n- nothing special though uh the finisher this this time mr hughes kind of took him up like a two-handed choke slam almost before he finished him with that with that slam that slam that he did
1: yeah, it's a sidewalk slam, but it's also like you picked him up and and kind of like dropped him off to like a side slam. It's kind of like he lost him or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't it's know. Like it didn't come off. That power slam before that looked awesome. Yeah, and the drop kick always looked awesome that he did that big drop kick. I liked it. And he still um, he's still
0: got the urn, so there's still he's still got the stuff with the Undertaker going on. Uh, so then they talk about the Stars and Stripes challenge again, and they mention Crush is going to be in there to to try and body slam Yokozuna. So we got a couple guys that, that are named, and I'm sure that they will hit the hype train on it uh, in the next episode. And then we get to the main event, Razor Ramon versus the One Two Three Kid, and this match starts out on fire. Yeah. The Kid is Waltman, you know, who's older than us. <laughs> we call him the Kid. Waltman is on fire in the beginning of this match starts super hot. He's getting all kinds of near falls and you're sort of wondering like, Oh, you know, is it going to happen again where he, where he takes this quick win, but no, then razor takes over and he just starts beating the dog crap out of, out of Mm -hmm. the kid. There's a, there's a moment where the the kid kind of gets a little bit of comeback and then, uh, it was, it was on the outs on the outside and then he goes to the top and then he just eats shit right on the, right on the, on the floor that did not look fun. But uh, another comeback hits the moonsault again. Doesn't get the pin, but instead, uh, instead of taking more beating, he then grabs the money which Ram- Razor Ramon brought in, and he just books it. He has a car waiting for him outside, and he hightails it home. And that's that's the way they end the segment. And you know, the show's the show's almost over. There's a quick interview with Ramon to end the show, but uh, I I was kind of trying to remember what happened in this match because I didn't really remember but the second he missed he hit the moonsault, and then I was like oh now I remember what happens so like it, it all came back to me but before if before the match if you would have asked me what happened I, I didn't re- I didn't actually remember
1: yeah I, I always remember him stealing the money but I never I don't remember the match I don't remember he I forgot he ate shit yeah. in the, <laughs> on that dive out and he this must have won him respect yeah from everyone because he ate shit hard like he went for that that uh somersault dive out which he did i've never seen anyone else do it the way he did it but like he i mean if you want to talk about dive outs and how yes it doesn't have to be he made the dive out like he's attacking his opponent instead of like just trying to do some kind of like beautiful graceful move in the air yeah and i don't know what happened he just lost his footing, but he went straight down. Because I think what was supposed to happen was he was supposed to hit that big summer dive out, get up, and then take the money and mm-hmm. back. So I mean, he had to get back up. They had to do a couple more things quickly, and then he had to go up there and hit that moon salt. Like, fuck, man! Like, how's he not like concussed a little yeah, bit from yeah. landing on his? You know, gutted it out, finished the match. I'm sure that probably earned him a lot of respect from the locker room and, and Vince and and all that. And yeah, but the match was hot, per, but perfectly. Like right away, you have to start off with him trying to get a quick pin. Yeah, right. And and perfect. Just wow, oh, that crowd was so hot for it. And I'm trying. I'm trying to remember as a kid. I'm when I when I watched this when I was a kid, um, that kid being like a what freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess I'm a kid then. And uh, a young adult. Um, I, I I remember seeing it. Like I didn't understand like why he was a babyface for stealing the money mm-hmm. instead of beating him. So I don't know, but you know, it worked. That crowd loved him. I mean, after that, man, I man, I mean, he's a pretty popular character for a, at least uh, a good couple years, right? I so mean, there
0: there's a, I think there's a house show in Oakland that that Meltzer goes to, right? After the Raw, I think. And he said that the crowd, because the crowd is so conditioned for that, if you're not like a big guy, you're not believable, that the crowd was actually making fun of him because he was so small. I think, who did he work? I forgot who he worked. Terry Taylor. He worked Terry Taylor and you know he finally you know gets his comeback anyone's match and he won the crowd over but in the observer Meltzer was talking about how the fans didn't believe in him and they thought it was so stupid and, and and not realistic that you know that he was winning this match and Meltzer was like you know I was just thinking the opposite that it's so cool that you have a guy who's actually super talented and looks different from everyone else because that that distinguishes him so that so that that's kind of it's kind of cool to to see that you know the crowd still you know the 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 main uh, the main fan base for WWE even though he he has you know the the two the two matches with Razor like they're still really not ready for him to be believable and uh, and that's that was just interesting to me I I don't know what the, what the
1: takeaway is but I just thought it was pretty interesting but they had a really good match <laughs> oh yeah him hey, and Terry Taylor you know it's funny because Walmart's pretty big like. Tall wise, right? Yeah, he just was skinny, but not as we'll skinny as like his global days. though. So. so I
0: saw when I saw him at Starcast. I don't think he wasn't taller than me, but he also wasn't small. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he definitely is thickened up for WWE here. I Even mean, he's not like I said, like a beanpole like he was a global.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I always liked him. <laughs> so, I, I, I mean, I think he. You know, he had a really good, really good career and, and 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 did some cool shit. And I remember the year later, like he wrestles Bret Hart on Raw. I, I think we just had like a year anniversary or whatever it was, like you know, around this time and in late June and July. Like I remember that match was, I remember being excited for that match back in '94, and uh, you know, that was like a a big deal for me. Back on you know, watching that match, it was a good match too with Bret.
0: I thought. I thought uh, Razor should have been a little bit more pissed off in that interview, though, with Vince. He's like he's he's, he did like, I don't know what it was, three weeks in a row of like trying to get this guy to come and have the match. And he's got the Mm -hmm. money and finally he's got the match and the kid outsmarts him again. Like, I just thought he would be so pissed off, but he was kind of he was just like, ah you know. I won't forget, or I'll get you back, or whatever. But that was it. Like, I thought he was going to be like super pissed off.
1: Maybe because they're going to do that Bayface turn soon. Like, they don't want him like this. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, the only thing in The Observer that's kind of worth noting is so there's two main things, which is, you know, as we know, Hogan is is about to leave. And uh, he does two U.S. matches. I think, I forget what the markets are, like Chicago and something else and he's kind of like mailing it in and the crowds weren't even all that impressive, like 3,000 and, and 3,500 or 4,000 or something like that. And then um, I guess he's going to do some matches with Yokozuna on a European tour that are still upcoming. Uh, and the only other thing that I thought was interesting was um, and we talked about the last time where, where DiBiase's going to be gone soon but uh, Sherry Martel had given her notice and is going to be done in September, which is kind of why they, they kind of, I guess they stopped the Luna stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was the other thing. Cause you know, just that Sherry in, in the stuff with Luna was so good. And then, you know, she's, she's, uh, about to wrap it up And but she shows up in WCW
1: like not too long after. Right. Was it the f- spring of 1994? Because in the Observer it
0: says that she wants to go to like beauty school,
1: or, heh, um, or, wait, does she? Man, no, because she man, yeah, yeah. So I think it's like spring of '94. I'm pretty sure hmm. she shows up, and then she ends up going with Flair, right? And then after the whole Flair stuff, Flair's quote-unquote retirement match Hogan and the Hollywood Havoc '94, she ends up managing the Harlem Heat which ended up being a good for all parties involved I thought
0: yeah so that is it for uh, for this episode of Raw and pretty much for the, the show next week hopefully I will have some stories from Friday in Dallas that I can share with folks and we'll talk about the G1 uh, if there's anything crazy that happens at the UFC show we'll talk about that And uh, more, you know, it's kind of the build to, what is it, Extreme Rules. And then I think after Extreme Rules is where they really expect to kick off this Heyman and Bischoff era. Uh, Bischoff, uh, I think that's going to be his first show is the SmackDown after Extreme Rules. So we'll see what happens with WWE at this point. And, uh, And, yeah, so I think that is about it. We do... We do have a, a Manny Pacquiao fight coming up soon, so I'm sure we'll talk about that yes. as well.
1: Yeah, I want to see that one for sure in the theater. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's, yeah. All right, so for John, I am Double G. We will see you when you when we see you. Peace out.